Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to Get The Table, another wrestling roundtable discussion podcast with myself, Adam Wilborn, one of the Dudley boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, and Andy Murray from What Culture, here to discuss another burning wrestling issue. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Dubai, oh, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views, bloody premium live events. We have interviews, more roundtable discussions like this one. And a round of the week complete with a big quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Andy Murray and Michael Sidgwick. And gents, we are gathered here today to talk about the brilliant 606 wrestling matches to see before you die book, which is available still at shop.whatculture.com. We're going to do something a little bit different with this today, boys. There are some sensational matches and some terrible matches uh, that you have to read about in this book. But talking a little bit more about it, I want to talk about 10 matches that just didn't make the cut. Where can I buy it? Well, you can buy it at shop.whatculture.com, Michael Cedric. Thank you for asking. Um, Andy, start us off. What was uh, you, you and Sid and, and a multitude of other people were involved in writing this book, but what matches just missed out on making the 606? I'll start with the personal hardest cut from my list of matches that I wanted to write and just couldn't end up squeezing into the 606 because, well, I just had to write about five different Fiend matches. <laughs> um, a legendary indie match that maybe our audience isn't particularly familiar with, and I would encourage them straight away to check out. It's on YouTube. It's very easy to find. Uh, Samoa Joe versus Necro Butcher from IWA Mid-South, Something to Prove 2005. Mm -hmm. Scarcely resembles a wrestling match, this thing. Um, It is Samoa Joe (laughs) trying to bludgeon a zombie deathmatch guy to death using every tool in his violent playbook. It is not for the weak of heart, (laughs) not in the sense that, oh, they're cutting each other up with light tubes and barbed wire in the sense of he has just suplexed him off the apron onto concrete with nothing to protect his head. Oh, there's suddenly a pool of blood there. This is basically a shoot. It's a fierce gladiatorial uh, red hot fight between two guys who, if you believe, you know, the, the, the story surrounding this match had no respect for each other and their styles whatsoever, which only enhances it. Um, it's one of the realest things I've ever seen in pro wrestling. And uh, I would wholeheartedly recommend checking it out, particularly if, like me, you are a psychopath. It's literally a snuff film without the final scene. <laughs> like, mercifully, without the final scene, it's horrible. 
It's genuinely, if you want to be a nerd about it, it's if you put yourself in the frame of mind of a Bret Hart, for example, it's an affront to the actual craft of professional wrestling. And that's and why that it's great. precisely, <laughs> precisely why it rules and indeed owns so goddamn hard. Is it, um, it's punk and praise, I can Yes, concrete. punk aghast at some of the things that are unfolding in front when of him. When the spot happens that Murray's just pointed out where <laughs> Samoa Joe just suplexes him head first on exposed concrete, I'm pretty certain Prezak just goes, ah! <laughs> 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 it's, like, it's just mint. It's like, it's not a botch gone awry. Like, ah, he bloody loved that necro botch, yeah? Oh, he was fired up for it, wasn't he? <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. You'll never see like anything like that again. No, no. It's the kind of thing, you simply cannot do this. You, someone would get you arrested. You shouldn't either. It's a... Uh, it, 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 to me, it should kind of have the same, almost the same legacy as that guy, that lucha guy throwing a brick at another guy's head a few years ago. Oh, Remember yeah. that? It's similar in terms of nastiness, although this is this is clearly a match, and it's Samoa Joe who has no time for this garbage wrestling that Necro Butcher does whatsoever, and decided he's going to try and murder him for the for the crimes he has committed. It's pure brutality. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone who wants, you know, a nice clean time, fun time watching the wrestling, but if you're a maniac... It I'm never loses its potency either. You can oh. watch that time and time again. <laughs> and the more frequently you watch it, the more psychopathic you are. And to this day, every single time I put that match on, I'm appalled. <laughs> and uh, very excited as well. Great way to start the video. Yes. Indeed. I'm very pleased to report there are some Samoa Joe matches in this book. Are there any Necro Butcher matches? Well, you have to buy it to find out. Uh, one of the matches that I suggested, because it was sort of like a... They didn't trust me to write any stuff about it, obviously. <laughs> but when we were... Co- hey! For 200 words. <laughs> when we were collating these ideas, uh, you know, we were all asked for potential matches to add. Um, there was It was 505, and then it became 606, of course. Uh, one of the matches that I suggested... I'll, I'll do my fun one in a bit. But one of my genuine suggestions was a brilliant, I thought, ladder match for the NXT Tag Team titles from TakeOver 25. Street Profits versus uh, Only Lorcan and Danny Birch versus Undisputed Era versus Forgotten Sons. The reason for that not being in here is probably because there's quite a, other, quite a lot of other brilliant ladder matches in here as well, isn't there? Yeah, there absolutely is. The, the overwhelming memory I have of the, the match you're talking about here is... Uh, and the past couple of years have taught us more about Jackson Riker and his personality, <laughs> yes. whatever. We're not going into that stuff. But at the time, he really came off as like this forced, intense guy who you didn't really want on your screen, but you understood why he was there in NXT because he was massive. You can totally understand why Vince McMahon would go, here, yeah, I'll get that big boy in there. The, the overwhelming memory I have of this is having those thoughts about, oh, this guy's really awkward and I don't like him on my screen, and him just eating dirt towards the end of this match. I, I remember watching this, and I so I don't think I'd seen the Street Profits before, so I have three memories of it, obviously. Uh, Street Profits winning the tag titles and having a brilliant, you know, cup, solo cup celebration and stuff, and, and the crowd loving it as well. I think this might have been the time they were celebrating with a baby in the crowd as well. <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm not 100% <laughs> sure. Uh, it was, um, like you say, Jackson Riker coming in and that fear of 
Oh, God. Yeah. They, were, they were vacant at the time. Oh, God, they're going to put the tag titles on the Forgotten Sons because you could see what it was going to be. All the tag teams teamed up to take out Jackson Riker, and it's like, lads, you've forgotten about the, the tag team that he represents that are also in this match. And Kyle O'Reilly taking the most ridiculous <laughs> bumps in this match. Uh, but like I said, lots of other great ladder matches in here. Absolutely. Uh, for me, it's almost bittersweet watching that match. It was probably the last time the true spirit of NXT or what it was purported to be it was actually manifest on a takeover mm -hmm. stage. Uh, two guys who were just part of the WWE system, the purpose behind which, because, you know, for a few years they did, but mostly they did not like having other guys come in. The whole purpose of the Performance Center was to build guys from the ground up and put them on a path to superstardom. And it was rewarding watching them go from nobodies to somebodies. And that was crystallized, that ethos in this match. It was probably the last time beyond, you know, your Bron Breakers that that actually happened. Uh, sticking with NXT, there was there's several matches, of course, uh, from that excellent period in here. But there was one match that you feel was neglected uh, from a uh, TV episode of NXT. Bailey versus Eva Marie. Oh. Like, legitimately a masterpiece. Um, Bailey was so good that she could guide Eva Marie, of all people, through the mechanics of a passable pro wrestling match, but it was so much more than that. The genius ploy behind NXT as a brand, the philosophy behind it was that it felt like this underground operation that was at once financed by and produced like against the sort of knowledge of WWE itself. <laughs> yes. It felt like a, it's not allowed to be this good. They're not allowed to put these wrestlers in main spots. It's like, does Vince even know what's going on here? <laughs> and in an absolutely ingenious twist, NXT booked a match like on that premise in which Bailey, who was the folk hero of the brand, like genuinely made like adult husk of blokes feel earnest again. And she was opposed by someone who was very much a WWE product and um, very much someone that the main roster machine would want to push. And the idea of that interfering, and they kind of spun this one-night storyline where she was represented by a machine and Charles Robinson um, was sort of on the side of the main roster. It was this weird, bizarre presentation where NXT on the network in plain sight framed the main roster and the management behind it as like villains. And maybe the reason why it's not in here is because it's not just about the match, although I'm sure you're just about to talk about it, but it was like you say, it was the whole show was built around this, this developing fear of like, they're not going to do this, are they? Yeah. A WWE product depicting WWE as the heel <laughs> is something that has actually happened way more often than is anywhere logical, yeah. like with the authority, etc. But this, the key difference between this and the authority storyline is that it felt like a secret. It felt like they were doing something for the ultimate fan service that Vince McMahon would never know about. And the cult hero won in the end after this ridiculous smoke and mirrors match, which was just a perfect use of resource given. I'm not being funny. Eve Marie was terrible. <laughs> yes. Yes. Let, let's stick with, with NXT. Get your thoughts on that as well, uh, of course, Andy. We're doing uh, numbers on this pod. We're doing a lot of NXT. Oh, and well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk. Get a lot of 63 year olds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk a little bit about AW in due course. Let's stick with NXT briefly, though, and talk about uh, another pick of yours that just missed out <laughs> Drew McIntyre versus Oni Lorcan. Yeah, I love this match so much. It kind of became an office meme for a while. Um, I believe this was Drew's first match back on television since being in the crowd at TakeOver and, you know, returning to WWE full on. And it's just mental, boys, honestly. It's no longer than four or five minutes of brisk adrenaline pumping, 
machismo bollocks. It's the definition of dumb jock meathead wrestling. Two lads throwing their entire bodies behind every single move in the match, whether it's a dive to the outside, whether it's somebody going into the post, whether it's something as simple as a strike. There's a flurry right at the end where Oni is so desperate to beat this guy. He's running full force against the ropes and coming all the way back. It's a perfect wrestling match in five single minutes. And this era of wrestling really for the past, well, like seven or eight years has been the, the big epic matches, the main event style that's focused on multiple reversals and kickouts. And in order to have a truly great five plus star match, whatever your metric is, you have to go 30 minutes and you have to do this and you have to have a plodding opening sequence that goes absolutely nowhere. Nah, mate, all you need is five minutes of hard lads kicking the piss out of each other. <laughs> it, I watch wrestling primarily for an adrenaline boost and this is that. If WWE had a goddamn brain in its head, given their preference for monstrous blokes, and we know that NXT 2.0 exists to build and promote monstrous blokes, they would have only Lorcan working them on Raw <laughs> and SmackDown. He can be a free agent every single week. Like Imagine Lorcan versus Brock Lesnar. Yeah. I mean, it would be incredible. This guy just decides, I'm going to die in this match. <laughs> so I'm either going to die really quickly or I might just kill someone first. He's an incredible squash guy. Competitive squash guy. He's like an oxymoron of a boy. He should be on Raw and SmackDown every single week putting the likes mm. of Omos over. Yeah, that's probably impossible. Like, Von Wagner. <laughs> hey, he had a really great match with Lars Sullivan uh, as well, not too long after this Drew one. Then you want to speak about limited big guy. I think Lars Sullivan, you know, is guy had his problems, obviously, mm -hmm. but as a wrestler, I would he's probably a little bit further along than Omos is. Um, but yeah, no, I totally echo that. Like, Oni... Uh, yeah, like it, he had a weird WWE run where he was on and off television for a while, and then he had this era of just frantic sprints mm. with no fat whatsoever. And the tag run was fun. I enjoyed when they got their moment in the sun, uh, their their takeover match with Undisputed in particular. I mm. love that. Um, but for me, this <laughs> this five minutes will always be his defining WWE legacy. And now that he's a free agent, I hope he finds massive gigantic men that he can bounce off elsewhere because uh, this scratches an itch that WWE no longer scratches, unfortunately, this match. Yeah, absolutely. The the glory days of NXT, uh, which is described in the book as well. There's some great matches in here from NXT. Andrade versus Johnny Gargano. Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa, the unsanctioned match. Uh, and, of course, my literal favorite match of all time, Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole, two out of three falls from TakeOver New York. Uh, and all in this book, which is available at shop.whatculture.com. Calm. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be Big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash whatculture. But let's talk now, uh, Michael Sidgwick, about AEW, because there are, uh, you know, in this book, lots of matches from AEW, but still not enough for you. There's a few that just missed out. Yeah, there's a few that uh, I just missed out on writing um, because, as you know, it wasn't the only book I was contributing oh. to Indeed. at this time. One of those? That would What's be that? A Becoming All Elite. Which is also available at shop.whatculture.com. Mm, fairly certain it's sold out. Oh, good point. Amazon. So it is available on Amazon, any dot domain. Mm-hmm. You can get it from Becoming All Elite, The Rise of AEW. So I was laser-focused on that throughout uh, 2021. I did make some contributions AEW-wise to this book, but there were three that I feel are missing, ranging from sheer awesomeness to genuine transformative importance. Um, we'll go with that first. It's a big headline. The Elite versus Death Triangle from mm. the January 1st, 2020 um, homecoming, I think it was called, mm-hmm. or... New Year's Day or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was basically the one after they kind of botched the whole promotion <laughs> with the Dark Order angle. Um, there was this sense that they'd completely ruined the aura of the Elite as winners by telling the story where they were just selling and selling and selling for this sort of goofy mid-card threat, and it just all felt like it was falling apart. Tony Khan recognized this. He dissolved the creative committee. He took control of the creative himself. And the very first thing he had to do was also pretty much narratively, I think, one of the hardest things he's had to do as Booker. He gave himself the sole responsibility of a really incredibly difficult task. Wrestling never ends. It's always episodic. Whenever you moan, and it's often me doing it about backstage interruptions and constantly booking angles, it's because you have to do that because it never ends. Tony Khan at once had to do a happy ending but with an episodic cliffhanger almost, because he had to all but say, no, don't worry about the elite. They're still class, they're still stars, they're still really the best at what they do. Um, so they said all episode long, all the elite still elite. But you can't have a happy ending because it doesn't end mm-hmm. and there'd be no viewers watching. If, all right, it's completed. Yeah. <laughs> all elite wrestling. Yeah, they're still elite. All right, okay, that's the end of the promotion. So they did this wonderful story where the elite are still elite, but it's not quite because Hangman Page is getting, like, shunted to the margins, and he got over 
um, as this like sort of commentary um, guest commentator where he was drinking and he was getting shot like he was on the sitcom. So episodic and season finale at the exact same time in the best way of trying to get the elite reheated was just go and work a trio's banger. Just go and work a trio's banger. Phoenix is in it, Pac's in it. Like, Pentagon's amazing, but like, look at Pac and Phoenix in the same ring. There's this goddamn spot in it where um, Phoenix is doing like a tornado and it's literally like a screw coming at you from the sky and Kenny Omega just V-triggers it, V-triggers it <laughs> right on the head of the screw. Like the timing, even by Omega standards, like he was so up for it. His individual performance in that trio's match is something special. I think he took the criticism to heart. He's a very, um, he's a perfectionist, very exacting standards he imposes on himself. And I just think he was like, I'm still Kenny Omega. Like I might have sold for a creeper from some rubbish angle. Do not get it <laughs> twisted. I am Kenny Omega. His individual performance is fabulous. Murray, have you got any abiding memories of that one? Not particularly other than what you've said. Um, they desperately needed to come back in 2020 after that not good ending yeah. uh, to the to the December 18th episode of Dynamite. Um, it's not a match I've ever gone back to rewatch, but it's one that I, I just remember being an absolute banger. Um, it's exactly what you said it was. It's creative, it's incredibly well executed, it's white hot, and it was exactly what the promotion need, needed to transform it from a grotty end to 2019 into 2020. They got like the rights for, I believe, like eight days, or like a fortnight removed from that. I'm not saying that Kenny Omega working Phoenix for five minutes of a sequence compelled Warner Media to say, here, mm, here's hundreds yeah. of millions of dollars. I think it was trending that way anyway, irrespective of the December 18 to Barkle, but it just, it was a much needed return to form. Um, secondly, very quickly, um, FTR versus Sting at Derby. Oh, yes. Uh, Dynamite Grand Slam. It was just a wonderful subversion of what you expect from the Sting act, and it just preserves his magic all the more, because when you put those two together, at first you thought, well, Sting's not going to take any bumps. Maybe they can do some well-protected ones in a cinematic match context, which they indeed did first at Revolution. They hid in plain sight what he was capable of for the interests of long-term storytelling, and it was just so majestically done. And this is when we realized our Sting can go, when he's going to go, and this is great. I want to put over Dax Harwood. His role in this match was so great. They came out wearing um, NWO-themed trunks, and they picked not only Sting's sort of most famous kayfabe enemy in the New World Order, but in majestic heel work, again, Dax Harwood try, uh, um, put him in a tombstone, it's like, oh, right, well, gonna, I haven't wound you up enough with the NWO stuff. What I'm going to do is put you away with the signature move of the guy that everyone thinks you're the same as, but he's better than you. And then with ridiculous athletic endeavor, given how old he is, Sting reverses it. Like Sting reversing a tombstone in like 2021 was just tits. It was absolute tits. <laughs> Everyone's seen it. Watch it again. I watched it again. Yeah. I went on a mini FTR kick the other month, and I decided I'm going to watch some of their matches. And I watched that one, and it was incredible. Um, lastly, AEW-wise, because it subverted one of my least favorite stipulations, the last man standing match. Yes. Was, uh, John Moxley versus Lance Archer, Texas Death, from Fighter Fest 2021. They decided, right, the worst bit about a last man standing match is people pretending to sell for nine seconds and then getting up at the end. So they decided, right, if it's a death match where theoretically one of us might die. Let's just kill each other really quickly first. Mm. Like stabbing each other in the head with forks, man. Like that's what wrestling is. That's what it's there for. You want, you want to feel like someone's in grave danger I, by I, some six-foot-seven badass stabbing you in the head with a fork? I despise uh, last-man-standing matches for that exact reason in yeah. terms of them trying to sell you on 
Oh, he's hit with a DDT. Will that put him down for 10 seconds? It wouldn't put him down in a match for 10 seconds normally, but for some reason now we've got to count. I hate it. I hate it. I wish more last man standing matches would, would follow the blueprint of this, of like, let's limit down how many times they count, and then... Yeah. When it's the finish, when I think it was, the, is this the barbed wire table bit? Yes. yes. And it works so yes. perfectly because Moxley kind of got trapped on it earlier in the match to get back into the ring. So you knew it was real. You knew it could theoretically like hold him back. Great stuff. And then, uh, yeah, he, he, uh, he, that was, was that IWGP US Championship. It was, that's yes. right. That's um, right. And yeah, I just loved that that finish as well because it was like, well, that's definitely the end of the Texas Death Match when he yeah. slams him through that table. Y- you don't get much more finished than, oh yeah, I'm like tied up in barbed wire, lads. <laughs> Even if I want to get out of this, it's going to take five minutes without me ripping my arm off. Yeah, um, yeah to go- cycle back to the Sting thing, I would legitimately, if it was you know a thousand matches to see if we die, I would put every single Sting match in AEW on this because the guy is pound for pound match for match laugh for laugh there we go the most fun wrestler on the planet yeah um i would honestly not belittle anyone who had them on a wrestler of the year list last year we only worked like three or four times every single time was an absolute riot it's like how can you not get into what this man is doing and it's even better i would argue these days you know He's not whatever he was 30 years ago. But I think it's even more magical these days because we know what the guy's been through physically. We know what his injury history is. We know the reason he didn't compete in WWE after the Seth Rollins match. We knew for years that people were like, oh, Sting's never going to, he might get crippled, lads. He, oh, he might end up in a wheelchair, blah, blah, blah. That informs everything when he pops up from a powerbomb on the stage and then dives off it onto the men of the year. It's, it's, an, it's fantastic. It's a nice circular point to the Necro Butcher match because of the Necro Butcher stuff is like an affront to the working art. Sting being able to do this in the way his matches like are arranged, it's like that's the working craft. Mm. Like just completely crystallized and defined. He's obviously taken risks, but he just it's when to do things to maximize mm-hmm. their value. And Sting's incredible at doing that. Uh, we'll fly, fly through a couple more and then we'll get to your uh, fun entry hey. that we just missed out on. Because there are some, you know, these are matches to see before you die, which means they're not always necessarily the best matches. You mentioned The Fiend. Uh, there are just some matches sometimes that are unmissable for, for other reasons. Before we get to that, though, a uh, couple of ones uh, I want to mention. I'm stunned that the Iconics winning the female tag titles at uh, WrestleMania 35 is, is not in this book. Why is that, Andy? It wasn't very good. How? What? What are you talking about? <laughs> it's literally one of the highlights of my life. Furious. Like, I would love it if I had the capacity <laughs> for joy that you have. How do you have the energy to recycle the same takes and uh, to relive these feelings? I just don't understand it. I just, it, it was it was very giddy. First WrestleMania. <laughs> um, and obviously the Iconics are, a, are one of my favorite tag teams. Um, if not my favorite, well, my favorite female tag team. I like the Fantastics. Um, he likes the iconic and the iconic ones and I just didn't remember we were we were high up in MetLife Stadium and yet I still spotted as Beth Phoenix got I believe it was Bailey up for a, a top rope you know huge glam slam and for my sins I can't remember which one of the iconics leapt up and did the old back slap and I put my hand on Adam Cleary's knee and said iconics are legal and it's the greatest moment in WrestleMania history, in my, my opinion. Be- be- best moment from that WrestleMania. I, I can't think of any other big moments from, from that one. Can you? 
No? Good. Uh, right, another one that we've uh, not been able to include in this book. We have got several uh, fantastic <laughs> WCPW matches, but Phil, who's editing, will I'm sure agree that it's a shame we didn't manage to mention Will Ospreay versus Ricochet, which, you know, it's Will Ospreay versus Ricochet, but you need to see the match where the top rope broke. <laughs> what was it, Phil? You, you shout, and people will probably be able to hear you. Was this how early on in the match, wasn't 30 it? 30 seconds. 30 seconds in. <laughs> Uh, Osprey hasn't taken his coat off. <laughs> Osprey hasn't <laughs> taken off his coat. You know, we know what these two can do Might in a ring. I just forgot he's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> we know what these two can do in a ring together. Uh, but if you get a chance, I'm sure that's on, on YouTube, so go I'm and check. I'm on the coaster. <laughs> <laughs> go, go and check that out. Ten minutes later. Uh, right, let's finish up, Andy, uh, with your fun match that, uh, you know, we've got several in here for a variety of reasons where they've gone, gone well or gone poorly or they're just comedy matches or whatever. But let's finish up with a match you insisted... Uh, we include here uh, and a clip you've shown us that is yeah whoa, it's quite something. We'll talk about it's your reaction as a as a New Japan fan and uh, in a second. But Andy, talk us through it. It's fairly special. This so yeah, my philosophy going into writing the latest set of editions for this book was there are a lot of classic matches in this book, right? We've got enough of those. What we want is some proper rubbish because often. And, you know, it's not usually until a few years later until you appreciate it. But the, the the historically bad matches in pro wrestling history are often just as watchable as the historically good. And I think that if you want to experience the full breadth of pro wrestling joy, you need to watch things like Judy Bagwell on a forklift, yeah. right? You need to work watch things like The Giant versus Hulk Hogan featuring the debut of the Yeti. Yes. You need to watch the Chamber of Horrors. Um, it's that car crash so bad it's good appeal. But this is genuinely unlike anything I've ever seen in my life. The match is from the Enoki Genome Federation, of course, <laughs> IGF, uh, and it is uh, Keith Hansen versus The Predator. Who are these gentlemen, you ask? Mm-hmm. Well, The Predator... Well, from Brit Raz. Yeah, well... <laughs> Uh, you're gonna have to narrow that one down, mate. That could apply to a lot of uh, people. Um, one of them is uh, Sylvester. I, I can never remember how you pronounce this guy's surname. Turkey. 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 Yeah, I... Sylvester the Turkey. We'll call him. And the other guy, Keith Hansen, is none other than Luke Gallows. Uh, and you've maybe seen this on social media before. The clip goes viral quite a lot, usually by Matthew from Fochimedia. Yeah. Um, so if you've not seen it, you'll find it somewhere on Twitter. It's, I won't go into a blow-by-blow account of the action. Just watch, if you can track down the whole thing, watch the whole thing. Watch just this sloppy, rubbish match between two big lads who just aren't very good at anything play out. But the highlight is Antonio Inoki, notorious shooter, one of the hardest, most scary men in pro wrestling history, uh, with a jaw that looks like you could use it as an anvil. (laughs) He's a scary guy, Inoki, and if you're aware of his history, this kind of informs it. So furious that as a shoot, (laughs) he marches down the ring, effing and jeffing, swearing with a steel chair, bashing it against the barricade, going, stop the match, stop the match, bullshit. Stop the match. 
It is one of the most unique spectacles I have seen in my life. It is utterly terrifying, and I am very surprised that after this harrowing experience that Luke Gallows ever returned to Japan, as him and uh, Mr. Turkey have to improvise a finish, because otherwise Antonio Inoki is going to pierce their skulls with his jawline. Yeah, there's a shot of, of Gallows uh, post-match walking to the back, just like, what's going to happen when I get in the locker room? Can I imagine one of our bosses walking in now and going, lads, this is absolute Stop rubbish. Pod, yeah, Stop it. I wanted to get your thoughts on this. As I said, you've got this, you, you know, uh, from when I first started working with you, I, I learned quickly about your adoration for, you know, New Japan and Japanese wrestling. What do you think of the IGF in this match? It's class. It's absolutely <laughs> hilarious to do this spot where it's like, I think Predator tries to fire him off into the ropes. Gallows just simply turns around and just knees him in the stomach and the, and the guy goes, eh. Uh, I've got a clue what they're doing in there. They get completely lost. It's the most sluggish thing you've ever seen. The crowd are like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and that prompts Inoki to come out. It's just like, you're a disgrace. You're a disgrace. <laughs> now, it's funny that Murray wanted to go for the so bad it's good route during the revisions because during the initial 505 process, I wanted some of that action as well. You can only do so many, like, oh, it's 30 minutes and great this. And all the finishes are really starting to get more convincing the deeper you get in. I, I had a great time doing a lot of uh, vintage 90s King's Road stuff from old Japan. After like 15 matches, I was like, oh, God, I want to see the Bushwhackers adherence <laughs> of wrestling. So if you make it this far through WWE, AEW, Ring of Honor, the Crockett territory, <laughs> various 80s territory, you get some real deep cuts of history as well, Ricky Dozan, all the rest of it. If you make it that far from the good, the bad, the great, you get to the goddamn ugly. Heroes of Wrestling is covered yes. towards the very end. It runs the full spectrum of the professional wrestling form, there or thereabouts, the best of the 90s, Joshi scene, so much and more. But if you persevere, if you read all of these words crafted by several different minds over a span of goddamn years, you will get to the worst of the worst, which, as my esteemed colleague knows, is in fact the best. <laughs> right, well, you can get your hands on it. As I said, shop.whatculture.com. 606 wrestling matches to see before you die. Uh, if you have read it, do let us know your thoughts in the comment section uh, or on some matches we maybe missed out. Uh, you can also let us know on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch there, you can follow all three of us. You can follow Andy Murray at... You can follow me, uh, Andy H. Murray. The H stands for... <laughs> you can follow Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. What's the M stand for? Michael. Adam Wilmore, follow us all at What Culture WWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from for the wrestling <laughs> podcast. Uh, this has been Get the Table. Thanks, Andy Murray. Thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.